This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by David and Brady. We've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got some basketball news. We've got baseball and football. Let's go ahead and start off with basketball. The Panthers... Uh, men's basketball team are the Sunbelt East Division champs. Panthers had to win both against South Alabama to win the East and lock down a first-round bye in the tournament, and they did it. In a hotly contested back-and-forth affair for national audiences on ESPN2, State got win number one Friday night, 84-81, led by Evan Johnson's career-high 28 points. On Saturday, the Panthers led all 40 minutes and took advantage of a poor South Alabama shooting performance, 5 of 22 from 3, to sweep the series and win the East. Final score was 82-73. So, gentlemen, what did we see in this uh, series with South Alabama? I mean, it was a situation where Georgia State needed to win two games to get to the number one seed, but even more than that, what they needed was win both games to get a bye. Because South Alabama is the three seed because the loser of the game on Saturday ended up being out of the buys because Troy couldn't help anyone out and lost both games to coastal. And so coastal got the two seed. Um, and so I think we, we were aware that it was going to be an important series, no matter what, because it might mean the difference between winning or not. And, you know, you want to win the division you're in, but it ended up being really important to win both. And, you know, especially from where the season has been and, you know, losing games and just being out of, action for almost a month even though it doesn't really matter and all that matters is the buy part of it it is a nice thing to say georgia state is the east division champs and it is nice to say that in those games where they needed to late in the season georgia state rattled off six straight and uh, i mean they looked good south alabama gave everything georgia state could handle on friday night uh saturday they seemed a little bit tired for the fact that it's a pretty small rotation and they had just played a pretty grueling game the night before and Georgia state was able to handle that a little bit more, but you know, all, all the bottom line is just good, good, good getting those wins and continuing to cement the direction this program wants to head in. Absolutely. Right. I'm going to start right where you said there, where they looked good because you know, it was not a perfect weekend by any stretch of the imagination. And obviously we are going to nitpick the crap out of these two games, but I don't think it's a hot take to say that this was the best that Georgia State looked all week, all year, excuse me. Um, you know, obviously they had to go to Mobile, win two games, and they're the Eastern Division champions. You know, they've dealt with a lot. They canceled nine games. You know, they were sitting at two and four before this six games winning streak, you know, started. And yes, you know, they obviously benefited from starting the streak with four games at home, you know, but they still won all of those games. And that's really important. You know, I thought that even within the games against South Alabama, they did a lot of really good things to kind of get out of their ruts. You know, on Saturday, for example, they started really poorly from, you know, shooting the ball downtown. Uh, let me see if I can find it. You know, the first half they shot two of nine from downtown. Not great. You know, we have talked about their three point shooting. Well, in the second half, they shot 50% from downtown. You know, it's just, it's those little things that really 
prove that Georgia State was always capable of being a good team that really helped them. You know, you mentioned Evan Johnson. I think, it, you know, it's kind of funny. Obviously, he had a great game, you know, 28 points. But we've seen that production come from more than just one player, you know. And Friday was a situation where, okay, Evan Johnson is just going to be the person who's going to get the 28 points instead of it being spread out between a lot of bench guys you know and it's like saturday obviously johnson didn't score 28 points but you got a lot of scoring from a lot of different guys and that absolutely helped georgia state be the eastern division champions yeah i mean evan johnson can't say enough about him on friday and this is the guy that even from before the season started we were hearing stuff from coach lanier that like this guy is the best shooter on the team just naturally. And he's had some lulls. We don't really know his situation with how much he was affected by all that went on. And, but he's back in the rotation now and it's been needed because it's, it's been a weird thing where Kane Williams also, who has not been a great three point shooter this year and went through some games where he was really poor has also turned on the switch from outside, but it's coincided with games where Justin Roberts has kind of fallen off his Form. He's dropped in his shooting percentage and Corey Allen had a good Saturday, but he, his shot wasn't there on Friday night. And so it's kind of been guys who aren't usually the main providers from the perimeter getting looks, but end of the day next, you know, as the, we look towards the Sunbelt tournament, I totally expect Corey Allen, and Justin Roberts to be making shots more. And so I think this is just the, the dream that what Cloutonier is looking to get from this program is that it can come from anywhere the bench guys are as important. And, you know, he ended last week, the Troy series. He was talking about how he wanted to get more from his bench. And I, the Evan Johnson specifically answered, but Ryan Boyce was good in the two games. Um, Kalik Brooks uh, loved what he's done and he's continued to do. He had a big three in one of the games. And uh, so I think that that is also, I mean, that, that, it is encouraging for the current results, but it also you're starting to see the blueprint of what this program can be. And I don't think we're going to be in a situation where like with RJ Hunter, DeMarcus Simons, we had guys that were dominating everything who were scoring 20 plus points a game. It wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Kennedy is on his trajectory, if he gets to 20 points a game, just because he keeps just making 60% a shot and, you know, adds a three point shot, whatever he continues to do. But it's not going to be a situation where it's going to be star driven. It's going to be a whole balanced effort. And that's more sustainable, especially if you've got guys like Evan Johnson who are coming off the bench, who just on just sure, sheer shot making alone could be a starter for a lot of division one teams. And I, you know, one thing that coach mentioned in his Saturday presser, and I think one thing that both you and I have really started to pay attention to as it relates to this team is there is no star. And when the guys that you're watching play are struggling, you know, they're finding ways to be involved in different ways. You know, take Justin Roberts, for example, he on Friday against South Alabama, he only had two points. He was one for seven from the floor, missed all three of his threes that he shot, but he had five assists. You know, Kane had more assists than him on the night when he had seven, but still Justin Roberts was absolutely involved in, you know, the dribble drives and the drive and kicks to Jalen or Alil, you know, 
down on the block or uh, he hit Ryan in the corner for that, you know, really nice three that Ryan hit and when Georgia state really needed a bucket, you know, and it's, it's, it's things like that on Saturday, you know, we talked all day offline about how Justin felt like he was off. And, you know, if you look at his percentages, he was five for 13, you know, it wasn't great. He's still tied for the lead high in points for Georgia state with 16, you know, and he had he had a lot of turnovers. Yes, he had seven. You know, it wasn't great. Obviously, it wasn't all perfect, but he still had another five assists. You know, I think they put on the broadcast that he had like 48 assists or something through the five games, five game, five, five straight wins that Georgia State had through that point in the Saturday game. You know, so it's he's getting himself involved and Corey has been the same way. You know, obviously, he wasn't going to shoot 54 percent from you know, three point range the entire season. But when Corey's shot hasn't been on, he's been active rebounding. He's been active defensively. You know, he might not have the specific assist stats that Justin has been able to get, you know, but Corey is making those extra passes, those passes that have led to assists. You know, Corey is at least being, uh, creative when trying to get the ball to Jalen when Jalen is hot down on the block. And, you know, maybe Jalen has missed the shot or, you know, whatever. So Corey isn't getting assists, but, you know, it's not been a situation where Georgia State is just being, you know, kind of sloppy with the ball when guys aren't really finding their shots. And, you know, like I said, coach, coach was really you know, effusive in his praise of the Panthers and how the offense is kind of molded around this core idea that, all right, we're going to, f- find the hot hand and we're all capable of scoring, but we're all also going to be unselfish and we're going to try to get everybody involved. And, you know, we talked about it all year. Depth absolutely has been Georgia state's calling card this season. And, you know, this weekend was just another example of that showing. Yeah. I think um, to put words in your mouth or to finish out your analogy, Corey is involved in the offense, even when he isn't, even if it doesn't mean he's distributing like, Kane or Justin do he's getting touches on possessions even if he's not the one you know even if he isn't running point he's they're getting him involved and it's not either it's not leading to him just pulling up when he's on the perimeter he's being really selfless with the ball he's passing up not good looks and continuing to move the ball and you know I guess it's time to work around to the other part of the game we continue to talk about Jalen Thomas just continues to grow and continues uh, I, I, you know, in fairness and in, in criticism, he didn't continue to break career highs. He leveled that off. Um, but another both games, he was in double digits and he's really getting comfortable with how consistent his effort is on defensive end. And it's leading to getting more rebounds. He's being more of a force in there, even when he isn't getting rebounds. I mean, he was in foul trouble in both games. And there were a couple of times where he was still playing defense down low like you would if you had zero fouls. Like there was one, I think, block, or maybe it was just he affected the shot. It wasn't necessarily a block on the score sheet, but I think he had three fouls at that point. He had just checked back in the game, and it was like, if you don't trust yourself there, and if you you mess something up, you pick up a fourth foul real quick, you have to leave the game again. That's not any good, but uh, didn't happen. He trusted himself, played good defense, and that's the thing. If you've only got the two bigs that are able to play this year like Georgia State either one of them getting in foul trouble can be a story but if they're able to play with fouls and not let those pile up and get you know too quick on the top of another one to really force coach to have to take them out if they can defend and, and still be effective inside uh, that's you know it almost negates what would be a weakness um, 
and it's also just looking at the path for what we're obviously going to go into the Sunbelt tournament later, but they're going to be really important. The guards, we always talk about how the guards, the most important thing, but the, the path for Georgia state to the title game is going to require the front court to really be effective, uh, no matter who they play in their first game on a Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. 12 blocks for the weekend for the Panthers. Alil and Jalen were incredible in the post. And that, you know, like you said, the their ability to play off of each other when either one is in foul trouble, you know, that absolutely matters. And they did a phenomenal job this weekend uh, doing that. They, you know, that's going to be very important for Georgia State going forward and if they want to make a run at the Sunbelt Tournament. So let's move on and discuss the Sunbelt Tournament, which starts Friday. Panthers, of course, will not be playing until Saturday. But let's run down Georgia State's side of the bracket real quick. Uh, game one, Friday, March 5th. Uh, the first game is going to be fourth seed in the West, Arkansas State, versus fifth seed in the East, Georgia Southern. The winner of that game will play the Panthers on Saturday, March 6th at 5.30 p.m. Other side of Georgia State side of the bracket, you have third seed in the East, South Alabama, facing off against sixth seed in the West, Louisiana Monroe. The winner of that game will play second seed in the West, Louisiana. Let's take a quick look at the other side of the bracket. Uh, game three on Friday, you have third seed in the West, Texas Arlington versus sixth seed in the East, Troy. And then game four later that evening, the last game on Friday, you have fourth seed in the East, App State versus fifth seed in the West, Little Rock. Panthers will play next on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, broadcast on ESPN+. Of course, we don't know uh, who the opponent will be for the Panthers, so we're going to go ahead and preview both of State's possible opponents for the quarterfinal on Saturday. First, Arkansas State, 10-12 and 12 on the season, will be 11-12 and 12 if they are State's opponent on Saturday. Coached by Mike Bellotto in his fourth season in Jonesboro. Guys to watch for the Red Wolves, guard Marquise Eaton. 14 points per game, 5 assists per game. Forward, Norchad Omier, 12.5 points per game, 11.7 rebounds per game. Caleb Fields, 11.3 points per game. Gentlemen, what do you think about the Red Wolves? So, you know, picking backing on what I just said before you went through that rundown, uh, I was at least a little bit alluding to the Arkansas State possible matchup when I was talking about the front court being important because Omier's a beast. Uh you know, averaging almost 12 rebounds a game, especially because he's six, seven listed as six, seven, uh, as accurate as whatever that is. He's at least not, you know, a tower. He's a more like a power forward type guy, but he just worked really hard in class. And for as good of an offensive rebounding team, Georgia state has been, they are also have been poor allowing offensive rebounds on the other end. So I think if there's one area that, in this game that if they just continue to not keep an eye on keep in front of Omir inside and he is able to get offensive rebounds and give Arkansas State multiple possessions on possessions that's where they're going to rack up points and that's where it's going to be a problem uh because i mean i think that the the bottom line is offensively especially with how they're rolling right now Georgia State is sort of I don't think many teams can roll with Georgia state offensively where they can possibly run into trouble is if their defense is lacking up or if their rebounding is you know, allowing those second chances to where teams are getting extra possessions against them. Because um, I was going to mention this in the uh, South Alabama series, but it didn't come up uh, during this win streak. Georgia state is averaging a hair over 79 
points per game and allowing 69 points per game. You know, that's just, it's no secret why Georgia state has been winning these games. And of that one game against Troy is bringing, bringing the average of points per game way down because that was the only game they scored 65 in the second game against Troy. That's the only game in the win streak that Georgia state didn't score 80 or more. If they're scoring 80 points and continue to do that, they're going to have the, you know, they're going to be cutting down the nets because, you know, that's just, I don't think that it's easy to beat this team when they're putting up that points and when the offensive rolling like this. Yeah, it's certainly going to be very difficult for anybody to catch Georgia State if that's the case. You know, I don't want to sit here and coach speak you and say, you know, defense is going to be the most important part of, you know, Georgia state, obviously they're going to have to score, you know, but I think defense is going to be very important for the Panthers because they have a really nice opportunity to catch, you know, probably a weaker Arkansas state team. I, you know, I don't think that, that there's anything wrong with saying that, you know, this is a team that averages about 13 turnovers a game, you know, and Georgia state, while, you know, during uh, or the early part of the win streak, they were a little bit sloppier. They are getting better in terms of turnovers per game. And, you know, if a team is going to give them 13 more opportunities to have the ball, that's, you know, they've been on a blistering offensive pace lately. They have to take advantage of all those turnovers. And, you know, obviously you mentioned Omir and, you know, his ability down low. Georgia state has two great bigs right now that are both playing incredibly well. And, you know, it's going to be a good matchup for them, but they're going to have to find ways to, you know, not foul down there and find ways to get the guards involved because, you know, this is definitely a game. If it is Arkansas state, Georgia state should have no trouble with them, but obviously it's March. So you never know. Yeah. Coach, uh, coach Vanier talked to the media as of recording today. And he was saying, you know, the turnovers have been a little bit of a problem of late. Like we talked about Justin seven in the game against South Alabama on Saturday. And I think it was 14 as a team. And he was like, you're shooting for 47% as a team, just get shots up instead of turning it over. And it's going to be really hard for teams to beat you. And I mean, that's basically if Georgia state, it doesn't hurt themselves with offensive turnovers. Uh, and like I started talking about with not, if they are allowing offensive rebounds, you know, th- those are the ways where they can get tripped up aside from just, oh, nobody shot well and you lost the game because those type of games will happen. And so we can't predict that. And nor given how the offense has been rolling, would I necessarily predict that the offense is just going to sputter? But it it's as simple as just, you know, don't give up on offensive rebounds and turnovers and just as a general rule, which is just how you know, anyone wants to play the game. But I just think that especially the way the things that Georgia State's doing well, if they are cleaning up that stuff, it's going to be a hard team to beat. So it's a little bit, I'm not just saying the obvious thing that every team needs to do, although I am a little bit. No, absolutely. You know, there's one other thing that I think that Arkansas State does really well. Um, They are exceptional at getting to the free throw line. They average about 20 attempts per game at the free throw line, which is a lot, you know, and they're shooting about 73%, which, you know, that's, that's fairly good. That's very good for a college team. If you are allowing them to get to the line that many times, you know, you could be in a world of hurt. So Georgia state is going to have to play without fouling. Um, and if they are fouling, it's going to have to be, you know, dead ball fouls. And it's going to, you don't want to put Arkansas state at the line for them to just be able to get points without the clock moving. I'll do you one better. 
in conference play, they are shooting 78% from the line. So it's gotten even better since they started conference play. And it's it's led by Eaton, uh, who, I mean, it's the guy that you don't want to get to the line. He's 99 of 114 on the year. It's just under 87%. It's basically near automatic. He's going to hit both if you foul him. Like, it's this big, like, we're used to when we saw RJ. RJ was just one of the most impressive free throw shooters I've ever seen just because he was up high eighties and it was a bet that it was the surprise times when he didn't hit both. And I mean, the other part of that is that Eaton's one of those guys that, I mean, he's 33% on the year from three. He's not a prolific three point shooter, but as I remember having seen him play, he's one of those guys that if you're giving him free looks at the basket, he might start to get a rhythm going. And he's definitely the type of guy that if you're in a close game and you've let him get some free shots at the basket and get comfortable getting the rhythm. He can kill you late in the game just because he's just kind of a gamer like that. And so that would be the worry on that end. But I guess there's, we're not really disguising it that well that just on paper, I think we both feel like either of these matchups, um, Georgia state on paper should win. And that's also just from the point of view that Georgia state's got business to take care of and don't lose in the quarterfinal if you want to go get a banner. And so it's a little bit from that point of view, Uh, but also just it's not a terrible matchup because Georgia state does have an answer to Omir where I think some teams don't necessarily have the bigs like Georgia state's had this year. So next up, let's take a look at Georgia Southern. Uh, Eagles are 13 and 12 on the season, 14 and two if they win Friday. Brian Berg is the head coach in his first year after Mark Byington went to James Madison in this past offseason. Players to watch, Zach Bryant, 13.9 points per game. Eric Boone, 11.3 points per game. Uh, gentlemen, what do you think about the Eagles? Well, I hate the Eagles, so I mean, we can start there now. Just Boy, was that the wrong way to phrase that question? Well, you know, I, I kind of kind of stepped into it with that one, but in specific reference to a potential matchup, what what are we thinking about Georgia Southern? Well, I like the guards. Um, you know, Zach Bryan is a decent guard, and I think if that's who the Georgia State plays, it's going to be an interesting guard matchup. Um, obviously, you know, let's remove the rivalry out of it, so no memes. Um, Georgia state is probably a significantly better team than Georgia Southern right now. Um, you know, Southern's kind of going through a little bit of a transition and although the game in Atlanta was a little bit closer than I would probably expect it to have been, I think Southern got a little bit of a boost from playing a little bit more consistently than Georgia state had at that point. That was the second game Georgia state played when they came back. Um, and they just got good guard play. Um, you know, like, like I said, Brian's a guy, you know, he scored 21 points in the game, you know, that, and that's all you really need sometimes in March. So, but if I had to guess that it's, if I had to say, how do I expect a rematch of that game to go, you know, Georgia state's playing so well right now, I cannot foresee a situation where that game is as close as it was when it was in Atlanta. So my personal view is aside from you know anything with the actual matchup, I just think that the stakes are high enough in March that you don't need the extra rivalry factor to you know get up for the game, and it adds only negatives in my view to play a rival this late in the season when it's win or lose, win or go home, as evidenced by Georgia Southern knocking out State in last year's Sub Belt tournament, and so I think just in the forgetting the matchup for a second, just I think that it benefits Georgia State to remove that aspect of it because 
obviously the game, the, the stakes of the game speak for itself. If it's Georgia state, Arkansas state in the quarterfinal loser, their season's over, but neither team has any skin in the game. As far as like any rivalry, anything that's going to add anything more to it. And it's not any continued, you know, tension in the game where Georgia state's trying not to lose end their season to their rivals, the second season in a row. And so for that reason, I think the better matchup would be Arkansas state. Even if, you know, Arkansas state was the Harlem Globetrotters and just, you know, really good team. Uh, well, maybe not that much, uh, but anyway, on the actual matchup, Southern does one thing really well, and that's forced turnovers. And they play the type of defense where they're pressing all the time. They're forced to turn. Over. And so that is the one place where it is a trouble spot for them for Georgia state is that if Georgia state is in their funk where they're forcing turnover or, you know, they're getting forcing the ball into bad places and turnovers are being created as a result, that's going to pile up against a team that that is what they're predicated on doing. Uh, but in the matchup in Atlanta, I mean, Getty Juzapitis went crazy from three and I think he is a good three point shooter, but I think that a team that was kind of so-so from three on the season went just crazy in the first half against Georgia State. And um, I don't have the stats put up on front of me, but it was 50%. And I'm forgetting what the proportion was, but 50%, I think they made double-digit threes in the first half of that game. And so they cooled off in the second half. And I think that somewhere in the middle between not making any threes and shooting only in that half is where they are as a team. And so I think if it's a situation where Georgia state isn't getting turnovers and if Georgia Southern isn't staying in the game by forcing up threes and getting them, if, if they are making a lot of threes, it could be a game late, but if they are putting up the same amount of threes, like they were putting up in the first game, but they aren't falling, then it could go the other way and it could get a hand, get out of hand really quickly. Yeah. I just, I'm just- I'm sorry, I don't but know. I can't see that this Georgia Southern team is going to shoot 40% from downtown uh, and across the entire game. This is a 33% three-point shooting team across an entire game. Yes, they looked really, really good in the first half against Georgia State. They were 8 of 16. A lot of those looks were contested, and a lot of those looks were just, all right, the basketball gods have favored this shot, maker, this shot taker today, so it's just going to go in. Um, which isn't to say that they are not talented. It wasn't, you know, obviously you have to be talented to get those looks, um, you know, but it wasn't like Georgia state was leaving them wide open. You know, it wasn't like they were just hitting wide open corner threes, a lot of the warriors or anything like that. No, it was just you, when you're hot, you're hot. And that was Georgia Southern for about 15 minutes of the first half um, in that game against Georgia state. And then they cooled off significantly. You know, it, it wasn't even like, Oh, they're not hitting eight. No, they only hit three of 11 in the second half. And, you know, it brought their game total down to 40, 41%. Yeah. Obviously having the two matchups and not really knowing who Georgia state was going to play as we were recording this pod presented the problem of we're having to prep for two different teams. And one of them might not be, well, one of them literally won't be the team that Georgia state plays, but for me, there is the common thread of ball control. I talked about it when we were talking about Arkansas State and again with the Georgia Southern. If Georgia State's taking care of the ball and not turning it over, that should be the number one thing that gets Georgia State to a victory and live to see another day. It, that's how it gets hairy against Georgia Southern because that's the type of offense that they, or the, the type of defense that they are that they go after getting turnovers. And Arkansas State, 
they can force the turnovers. And it's also just a team that if you're not giving them the extra possessions and if you're the one getting the extra possessions, then I don't think they can keep up with you. So the common thread is just, and this is something coach the himself has said is that the turnovers are the thing that they've got to make sure that they've got clean. That will be their Achilles Hill if they are to lose in this tournament. And, you know, you know, kind of looking at the box score from that last Georgia Southern game, you know, that was a game where Jalen didn't even really play well. I think that was the game. Uh, I think that's when he busted out that like top of the key sort of jumper a couple of times. And, you know, we talked about it and we're like, Oh, I guess he can make that shot. And then he's been feasting on that shot ever since then. And, you know, Georgia Southern absolutely does not have the bigs to compete with that. You know, LEL had 14 and 12 that game. So it's not even like he was super dominant, but, you know, Georgia Southern just did not have a great day on the glass. They got out rebounded by 12, you know, and he contributed seven offensive rebounds himself. So it's definitely going to be a situation where the bigs are going to matter a whole bunch for Georgia state. And if they get going, I don't see the Georgia, Georgia Southern's guards are going to have to do a lot to keep pace with Georgia state. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Good. Final point is that this wasn't the Georgia state team. They saw apparently in that Jalen Thomas has been a different player since the last time these teams played. And, you know, that could be the X factor. Just like they, even if they got a game plan for LEL, they've got a game plan for two LELs at this point, the way Jalen's been playing. And before we move on from basketball, we of course did want to mention the women's basketball team had a fantastic finish to their regular season, and they actually ended up being second seed in the East. So this is going to be the first time in program history that both the men and the women will go into the Sunbelt Conference tournament with a bye. And actually, it's kind of an unusual level of success for the women is a hallmark of Coach uh, Gene Hill and staff kind of meteoric rise of the women's basketball team, if you will. Uh, ben Moore on PantherTalk.com had a uh, compilation of some of their postseason results. In 2015-16, to 16, they did not qualify for the conference tournament. 2016-17, to 17, they went in the first round, five-point loss to South Alabama. 2017-18, to 18, it was a 19-point loss to Coastal Carolina in the first round. 2018-19, two-point loss to App State in the first round, and then 2019 to 2020 season did not qualify. So it's a great opportunity for the uh, Panthers uh, women's basketball team to make a splash in the tournament. And let's take a look at their bracket real quick. Uh, they are in the bottom half of the bracket with the first round bye. So their opponent will be determined on Friday, March 5th, uh, game three of the tournament. If you're interested, 1.30 p.m. It's going to be third seed in the West Little Rock versus sixth seed in the East Coastal Carolina. So uh, winner of that game, of course, will play Georgia State. And then also in their side of the bracket, uh, fourth seed in the East, South Alabama, versus fifth seed in the West, Arkansas State. Winner of that game will play first seed in the West, Louisiana, on Saturday, March 6th. So we will keep you up to speed on everything with both the men and the women's basketball team throughout the tournament with pods every day of the tournament as long as the Panthers are playing. So keep an eye out for that on our website, Twitter, and Facebook, and anywhere else you may be following us. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to baseball. Baseball picks up a win over number two Vanderbilt Friday night, the highest ranked win in program history. The Vandy boys turned around and won the next three, however, dropping State to three and six on the season. Uh, but then, tonight, as of recording this podcast, beating number 10 Georgia Tech, 10 to one Wednesday night. 
for their fourth ranked and fourth overall win of the season. How about that? Every win this season has been against a ranked team for the baseball team. That is a fantastic stat. Uh, of course, as we alluded to earlier, the Panthers' early non-conference schedule is brutal. All power conference opponents until conference play starts on March 19th. Up next is a three-game set at Tennessee this weekend. So do we have any thoughts about baseball, gentlemen? It's fun to be talking about Georgia State baseball and winning games and winning games against... I mean, obviously the the uh, positivity, the great vibes of beating Vandy was quickly met by losing to Vandy three times in a row, but teams lose three out of four to Vandy. Yeah, everyone does that. That's going to happen to a bunch of teams in the SEC this year. Vandy is the class of the class of college baseball. And Georgia State faced two guys that... It will be shocking if they don't both go in the top five in the MLB draft this summer on the Sunday doubleheader they lost. Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter are obscenely talented college pitchers. And so, you know, you tip your hat and uh, you focus on the positive, which is you got to win against Fandy, best win in program history. And now, I obviously, you'd, you'd love to have some games you can chalk up and say, these are going to be wins, you know, get some momentum going. Georgia State went the other way with this because this year they wanted to make sure they played games. So they scheduled teams that they felt comfortable weren't going to cancel. And that happened to be a whole host of power conference teams. They play Tennessee next. They play Kentucky. They play Clemson. They just played Tech. Um, and I think part of it is going to be just iron strengths in the iron that, you know, playing all these tough teams is going to get them really ready for Sunbelt baseball, but also they're winning games. They're winning games against these teams. And so it's not just a case of just getting that experience. They're competing and doing it different ways. They were able to out duel the pitchers duel with Andy on Friday night. Ryan Watson dealt looks like a real, he can hang on Friday night in college baseball um, and against Georgia tech today absolutely clobbered it one ten one. just hit the bats a couple of guys got two run home runs and so doing it different ways is exciting and just it feels like the momentum that you we've seen with the football program the basketball program is baseball is getting there and so it really is a thing where it's a big three in college sports with people following baseball should be a bigger deal than maybe it's been in the consciousness of Georgia state. And I think part of it's because the results haven't been there of late, but we're getting there. And Brad Stromnall seems like a great hire. You know, I, I can use this space to uh, plug Rob Friedman's pitching ninja, because anytime you see Georgia state on pitching ninja, you know, somebody, whether it's them or, you know, in the case of rocker and lighter, they're probably doing something crazy, um, you know, but hats off to Shrumdahl for scheduling teams and, you know, Georgia state's hanging. Like, it's not like we're talking about like a, Oh, and 10 Georgia state team. No, I mean, they're four and six at the time of this recording, you know, they've played teams that are absolutely going to be there when we're talking about the college you know, world series later on in the year. And, you know, it's not like they're just getting blown out by everybody, you know, they're dishing it just as much as they're getting it dished on them. And, you know, like you said, that's, that's going to get them ready for Sunbelt play. That's absolutely important for them. And, you know, if that's the direction that the program goes as they kind of transition into a new ballpark and, you know, into some better facilities for them, this is exactly what you want. I mean, this is where we, 
we thought the you know the 2015 ish 2017 ish team for football was you know and then 2017 they got some better football facilities and you know look at where they've been since then yeah if if they can hit the ground running in advance of getting the new facilities uh whenever the baseball stadium is built i mean it's gonna be really a fixture near the top of the sunbelt just on sheer i mean the facilities and all that has been a a negative, I would say, for Georgia State in getting to recruit guys and getting to build the program. So if they can get good before they remove that and then they add what should be a pretty good positive with the facilities, I mean, watch out, Sunbelt. Um, just the one thing to know with the series that is coming up against Tennessee, they're 8-2 and two on the year. Uh, they have been ranked this year. I do not know if they're currently ranked. Um, and they swept Georgia Southern in Statesboro to start the year. So definitely doesn't get any easier with this road series, but as we've seen, these Panthers aren't ducking the big guys. They're ready to go. And so I'm looking forward to catching these games this weekend, uh, you know, in and around the basketball, it's just going to be Georgia state overload this weekend. Lots going on. So in football news, the full conference schedule is out. We did do a, a post about this on our website. If you'd like to check it out. Uh, notable things to take away from this schedule. The Sunbelt opener is at home versus Appalachian State on October 2nd. The State Southern game is in Statesboro on October 30th. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Panthers will be on national TV when they head to Louisiana on Thursday, November 4th. And Senior Day will be against Troy on November 27th. But, uh, gentlemen, do we have any general thoughts about the schedule? Absolutely. Um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to start off on my, you know, my BS or whatever. Um, I think I'll, I'll go through the whole schedule first is what I mean to say. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, it's a tough schedule. It is certainly, you know, a more difficult schedule than uh, it was last year. I feel pretty confident in saying that um, even if they played the out of conference uh, games, you know, but also, I think, you know, looking at the schedule, it's not as unbalanced if Georgia State is where I think they are as a program. Um, you know, obviously, anytime you can go at Chapel Hill and then, you know, go to Auburn, you know, those are some good programs, even if Auburn's in a little bit of a transition with their new coach. And, you know, UNC is humming right now. Um, you know, I, the Mac Brown hire worked somehow. Um but <laughs> but at the same time, though, I think Georgia State probably should take care of business with Army and Charlotte. You know, Army was back to their winning ways, so it's not going to be like the 2019 game. Um, and then, you know, after you go to Auburn, you come home and you start Sunbelt play with the team that you've never beaten in the Sunbelt in App State. Um, and that's, you know, your first Sunbelt taste of the year. And, you know, then you kind of go through ULM in a bye week and then, you know, Texas state, and then you go on the road for three games that will honestly make or break your season. You know, you go to Georgia Southern, you go to Louisiana for the nationally televised Thursday game, you know, and then you're at coastal and obviously that's tough. You know, that's very tough. Anytime you, you know, have short weeks, it's in college football, it's tough. Anytime you have your rival in the middle of the season, it's tough. And, you know, anytime you have the presumptive other division favorites on the road, it's tough. But if Georgia state is going to take the next, the next step, and you know, if they are going to be that team that we think they can be, this is 
you know, they just have to take this schedule in stride. You know, I don't remember the Coastal Carolina schedule off the top of my head, but, you know, I remember they won in some pretty tough places last year and they also took care of business at home. And if Georgia State is going to be if we're going to have them be in the Sun Belt championship conversation at the end of the year, it's not going to matter when they play Georgia Southern. It's not going to matter if they have to go travel on the road to Louisiana or when they play App State. They're going to have to get wins and they're going to have to get conference wins. So, you know, it's a good schedule. If this is the year that Georgia State finally puts it all together and is competing for that eastern spot in the Sun Belt championship game. Yeah, we can we can table the southern stuff again uh, after I give my initial thoughts. Um, yeah, I it's a tough schedule. Uh, the App State game is going to give us a lot of information as to how conference season is going to go. It's a hard team to play to get started, but you know you've never beat them and you want to start one and zero in conference. So this year you're going to have to beat them to go one and zero in conference to start and see how the team looks against a team that's given them troubles. But yeah, the the thing that jumps out is just that three game road stretch. And, you know, obviously the schedules happened. And so I might just be off on this. I felt like it was a rule that you couldn't go on the road for a Thursday game after playing on the road the weekend before, which is what Georgia state would be doing. I think that that is kind of sucky. I think having to go on the road on the 30th and then immediately be in a road game again on the 4th of November in Louisiana, I don't think that that's great for the kids. <laughs> I don't think that that is great on the body, but you know, maybe the difference between playing a road game and be playing a home game that week is marginal. And, you know, obviously the team is not going to use as a re- like, they're going to play the games. They're going to be ready to go. But that was just the one thing was my first reaction was kind of amusement at that existing. I didn't think that that was a thing. I thought that they kind of looked after teams like that. And, uh, but it got published, so I'm going to assume everything is by what the rules were supposed to be. So I might have been misremembering mis- 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 that as he remembers how to speak. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a situation where Georgia State does what they need to do through the first part of the games. If you end the year with two home games against, I mean, Arkansas State, we don't really know what they're going to be under Butch Jones year one. And Troy is another, they didn't go to a bowl this year but they were another team and they were kind of in the ballpark with Georgia state. Obviously that game between the two is close. So we don't really know what the Troy team is going to look like, but ending the year with two home games, even if it against, is it against teams that, you know, might end up being pretty good teams. If you're in a position where you've got to win out those games to lock up the East, being able to finish at home, it's almost worth the sacrifice of playing those three games right before, because you're getting to end in friendly confines and you're not having to go on the road and win a pivotal game in unfriendly territory. Uh, So I guess grand scheme of things, something to like there at the end, even if the three game stretch is a little bit rough. And yeah, like you say, the key I think is just taking care of games at home. And we talked about this, I think when the schedule, you know, last time we talked about the schedule, whenever that would have been, uh, we talked about just, winning games at home. We also talked about it when we went with state of Atlanta for their, the little end of season powwow. Um, yeah. If, if you're taking care of games at home, if you're winning at least, I, I don't think that five is an unrealistic bar to set uh, for home wins and going five and one, but especially if you go six and oh, that's going to set your up. I mean, that's literally a bowl eligibility without any road wins. So, uh, but even just, it's not that daunting of a home schedule. 
And I think that that's what will set George State up to success. If they're dropping games at home, they shouldn't. They're probably also going to be dropping some games on the road that they don't want to. And it's going to make them harder to get the ultimate goal they want, which is winning the East. And, you know, I think we, you know, you, there's a very clear delineation that you can split the schedule, the conference schedule up, you know, and like, here's just a off the top thought experiment. You know, let's say they go two and one against App State, ULM, and then Texas State. And let's say, you know, it's not worst case scenario with the three games, but let's say they come out of the three away games, one and two, right? Right there, you're looking at a three and three conference schedule with two home games to end the season. You know, if if they take care of business at home, like we said, one, they're definitely bowling. Two, you know, you definitely can say that they should beat Arkansas State and Troy at home if, you know, that's where they are in the season. And I would argue right now, having not finished with the offseason, having not you know, seeing where players in the transfer portal have landed. I would argue that Georgia state probably shouldn't go one and two in that three game stretch, you know, not saying that they should go three and Oh, you know, but I think it could be pretty easy to talk people into this idea that Georgia state should at least be favored in two of those football games. They should, um, you know, I think, and we'll obviously get into it much more in the off season, but you know, with the people returning for Georgia state and the people returning for both Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, there's a lot to like on the Georgia State side, you know, that you might not necessarily like on those other team sides. Um, so, you know, if you just break the schedule down like that, even if worst case scenario, Georgia State's not participating in the Sunbelt Championship, plenty to like about the schedule as it relates to bowling and still having another good season. So. Well, I guess we can't delay it any further. Um, we have a com- conflicting opinions, shall we say, on the decision that Georgia Southern game is now happening in October and it is not the final game of the season. Um, I'll just open up with this thought. Uh, if Georgia Southern was playing just any team in their final game of the year after it got switched out, you know, I, I think about the idea that it's just a game. It's not like you really want to play any particular team that weekend, but they're playing app. They're playing the other team they consider a rival and one that I think they think is a bigger rival. And so my thought on the whole thing is just you play your rival in that week, that last week. There's, you know, every go across the country, everyone's playing the rival in every region of the country, every conference, um, unless teams don't have natural rivals, in which case, you know, they play whoever. But if there's a natural rival, that's who you're playing. And so my point of view, nothing else really matters. That's just you play that game that time and the reason that i'm even validating that is the fact that app and georgia southern are playing that weekend now instead of georgia state and georgia southern i think that is a negative i think that is a loss for the program so i am absolutely a subscriber to um the georgia state and georgia southern the last few years should have been tweaked a little bit um and not have those two teams play on the last day um simply because I think there is an opportunity for the state of Georgia to have another really big uh, football game that will attract a lot of people. Um, I don't necessarily think that my opinion on that is because of Georgia, Georgia tech. Um, But, you know, I think a great way to ensure that attendance for that game 
is you know substantial for both schools um, is to not even give it the pretense of going up against you know any other big football game in the state of Georgia. Now that being said, while I am a subscriber of moving, well, I was a subscriber, I should say, of moving the Georgia State Georgia Southern game. Um, I don't like where they moved it simply because when you put it on the same weekend as Georgia, Florida, you kind of negate the reason to move it. And especially the point that you mentioned where they're playing app state at the end of the season. Now you do kind of, I don't want to say you seed the rivalry because it's not like Georgia state scheduled the, their conference schedule themselves. No, the sun did that for them, but I could on I could definitely see the, you know, perceived slight of Georgia state players being like, well, you know, Georgia Southern's playing their real rival at the end of the season. And I mean, you know, Georgia state and Troy have had some good football games over the years, but I don't think that anybody at either school considers them, you know, to be a rival. Um, so that aspect does suck. And I will concede that, um, I think that they are on the right track with this. Um, just didn't land probably where I would have put it and to where it would have made sense. Um, and if they were going to do it this way, it probably would have just made sense for them to keep it the way that it was, you know? So I guess we'll see what happens after this year. If, you know, this is like a permanent thing or they're going to rotate the state and app game being the last game of the season. But you know, I I personally have no problems with them moving the game outside of the last week. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is we just talked about all that. I mean, obviously, if you moved the games to where they had been, Georgia State would end the season on the road. And so the last the thing that I said about finishing with two home games would not be true anymore. But if it was a different game that week or if Georgia State even if they're by moved because they weren't playing on the 30th anymore, whatever they could have a buy before that road trip. And so you lose that Saturday to Thursday game. That is probably going to be hard on the bodies for the team. Um, yeah. I mean, I understand the point, but I also think at the end of the day, Georgia state hasn't figured out the formula to getting fans at games consistently enough. And obviously the Thanksgiving holiday part of it is at least a reason you can say this is, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. And the reason I'll say that is I think Georgia Southern App State and Boone this upcoming year, I think that they're going to have no problem having fans at that game. I think that they're going to be there because, you know, they've built that up and they, the rivalry is there for the fans and they're so Georgia state isn't there. And so I think that it's easy to say, can't schedule that weekend. It's not good for the fans, but that'll happen eventually. I mean, that sh- if Georgia state is going to do what they want to do, that has to happen eventually. And so I just don't think you can schedule with the, it's not the best weekend for fans, you know, whatever. Obviously this year is not the best weekend for fans because it is going up against Georgia, Florida. And so that's no better. That's worse. Um, And so I just say stuff like that can't really factor in. It's gotta be something that sells itself. And if it isn't happening enough with the Georgia state fans or if it isn't happening to where Georgia Southern fans think it's the best rivalry they have, then, you know, fair enough. That's where it is right now, but that's not how you think about this type. That's not how you should govern your decisions. uh, In my opinion, I think that it's just gotta be, this is what it is. And, you know, I think that it was a case of 
whether it was App State or Georgia Southern or both probably lobbying for it. I I know both fan bases and probably both teams wanted to play that game at some point on a Saturday ever again because they had been relegated to permanent national TV game on a weekday status in October uh, since they've played each other in the Sun Belt. So I'm sure that there was, for every reason, other than just the rivalry part, that they wanted that game to happen not... (laughs) on a weekday in October. And so they're happy about it in that regard, but I'm sure it was something they pushed for. I'm sure that if they had any asks and it had any say in the scenario, they were saying, yeah, we want that game to happen. And I, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily good for Georgia state that that's the way it shook out and that they, it should be a, Oh, well, it happened that way. And you know, that's the way it is. I think Georgia state should want to be the rivalry. That is the one that matters like that. And it's not how it's going right now, but you know, but actually, less agree to disagree than I thought that was going to be. <laughs> it was. It seemed. I, much... I let it off to made it seem like it was going to be like Hatfields and McCoys, but now, I, I will say I was a little bit harder. Um, I should say steadfast in my opinion when I didn't have the benefit of the schedule um, because you know Ben had mentioned something uh, to the effect of Georgia State should be Georgia State and Georgia Southern should be um, you know before the weekend before Florida, Georgia. Um, and I, you know, I tend to agree with that sentiment. Um, I, I wouldn't run it up against them because that kind of defeats the whole point of moving it. it. It defeats the whole point of why I personally wanted to move it, you know, but we'll see next year if they can figure it out and get it where it should be. Yeah. I am sometimes hard in my beliefs and not willing to stubborn, I guess you could say, Uh, But I will say that if the schedule comes out next year and it's in Atlanta and it's the weekend before the Georgia, Florida game, I will give it the benefit of the doubt and I'll see how it plays out and I'll see, I'm happy to be proven wrong. I just don't think it'll really be that different as far as attendance, as far as anything else. And at the end of the day, this rivalry has only been through seven games and there's already been two Georgia state final games against Georgia Southern that meant a lot. And the fact that it was against Georgia Southern meant even more. I mean, 34 seven is still the best win in program history. And it meant so much more getting, you know, aside from just, you made the first bowl game, you did it after coming back from being two and six on the year. It meant just that much more that you blew out a rival in the final game. And so you're, you're not going to get that anymore if that's the way it's going. And I, I think that is another way it's a loss. I mean, that's just my opinion. Troy coaches are going to take this clip and just put it on a bulletin board that you've done it now, buddy. Hey, if we make getting on bulletin board material made it. All right. So we'll keep an eye on developments for all of this stuff, but just before we get you guys out of here, just as a reminder on Saturday, the women will be playing on ESPN in the uh, their first game of the Sunbelt tournament at 2 p.m. Central Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and then, of course, the men will be later that evening on ESPN+, Plus as well, at 5.30 p.m. on Saturday. So make sure you catch both of those games. Hopefully we have a good result to talk about on the uh, next upcoming podcast, which, of course, will be Saturday after the game at some point that evening. And then... Assuming Panthers advance, we will have podcast Sunday and hopefully Monday as well. But that's all we've got for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will catch you Saturday postgame. Bye.
The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.